0: Matastrophic
1: music. Welcome campers. You are tuned in to Matastrophic Music with Duffy and Kelly. And today we have a very special guest, longtime friend of ours, Jim Young's. Hey guys. Welcome. Welcome to the campfire.
2: Uh, Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Oh, yeah. This is awesome, man. We're really happy that you're here. Yes.
2: I'm a big fan. I've been listening to your podcast, learning new music, learning about uh, what you guys are into, and uh, exploring new stuff. So thanks for doing it.
1: Yeah. It was very cool to hear that you actually were checking out the music. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's cool to get that feedback. We don't always get that. Yeah, it's cool to hear that you're digging the show.
2: Absolutely. Very
1: happy about that. Yeah,
2: I'm going along and pausing and looking up the songs as I'm going and have some context for what you guys are talking about. I told Kelly before we started that he got me listening to Failure. Yeah. I'm a big music nerd, so introducing some new stuff to me takes some doing, so you guys are doing God's work.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you're getting the full immersive campfire experience, You know, checking out the music as we're presenting it to you. I mean, we're just here to have fun talking music with each other in the moment. It's nice to know that the after effect of it is is actually reaching out and getting people to check out some of this stuff, too.
1: Yeah, Kelly, we're reaching people. We're reaching people, dude. It's exciting. (laughs) All right, a little bit of background on how I know Jim. Jim and I have been friends for... I mean, I was trying to figure it out exactly, and I'm not sure how old we were, but thinking think in like 30 years, 30 years we've been friends. Jim and I grew up on the same road, oh, which helped. Just a couple little guys get my mom to drive me down the road to Jim's house. <laughs> 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 we developed a friendship. Jim and I had our first band together in high school. I was trying to remember this right too, because I think Jim, you're the reason why I decided I wanted to play guitar. Oh man. I mean, I know you had a guitar before I did. I think you had the bass guitar maybe, but I remember being at your house and you already knew how to play some things on the guitar. <laughs> your dad's a musician and he had shown you some stuff or whatever. We both loved music, sharing our love of music, and you had the bass maybe, I need to get a guitar because we need to play music together, you know, make music because it's the best. Yeah. Did it go something like that?
2: Before I got the bass, when I was 13, my dad gave me an electric guitar that he'd had for 30 years at that point, and at some point when he was playing in bands in northern New York on stage when he was a young guy, he took a firecracker and shoved it into the input of the guitar and lit it, so he blew out all the electronics. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, here, you can have this one to play on. (laughs) You can have the exploded
0: one. (laughs) Holy
1: cow.
2: So that was my first guitar, probably 12 or 13. So we messed around with that and tried to figure something out.
1: Yeah, because I was 13. I think it was Christmas that I got my first electric guitar. Right away, we knew that we just had to play music together, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that in listening to you guys do this podcast... Duffy came from, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Punk and Blink, 182, and I came from that old guy rock, listening to (laughs) prog rock from the 70s, Rush and Yes and Pink Floyd and uh, Gentle Giant, some of this esoteric stuff. Yeah, Gentle
0: Giant. Oh, Gentle Giant, man, yeah. Now we're really reaching, like, the the 0.01% of the (laughs) (laughs) listeners out there with that one. That
2: is a deep dive. That
0: is a deep cut right there.
2: Yeah, and then Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots, so that common touch point. We had a lot of commonalities, but then the songs that we had most in common were our own songs. Like, I love Duffy's songs, and we were writing songs as kids, and I'm like, that's awesome, and he was always excited about mine yeah out of the gates we were making songs we weren't even just sitting there listening to albums all day long we were like let's write a song
1: yeah that was our That's awesome deal right from the beginning is we wanted to create music you know we loved music so much but we didn't want to just play covers i mean we did we played some covers in school but really we're like we had our creative brains going flowing i got this distortion pedal let's make a riff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep. experimenting and trying to be like cool badass musicians <laughs> did our band through high school and then years later you got back together with my wife and i amber and i played that show with us
2: yeah that was awesome that was awesome
1: yeah that was really cool
2: it had been a long time since i played so that was fun to i'd stepped away for like six or seven years and then you're like hey man we got a gig let's do it break the rust off
1: it's like we have a gig in a month. Do you want to come play bass <laughs> for us? <laughs> Our um, lives have been intertwined through music. And even if we didn't have the music part, I think we still would be good friends. Been a major part of my life. Got me into bands, got me into playing guitar. So thank you.
2: Oh, that's awesome, man. I've always been Duffy's biggest fan.
1: Yeah, we went hard. You know, we had weekly practice and everything. Played all the school dances. We have to be the premier band for our high school. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> you learn by doing. I never took a lesson. My dad taught me the chords on the guitar. Let's just learn songs and let's, let's do it. time so you're 13 to 18. So you're forming your musical tastes, at least the background for it. And we definitely did it together, making our own music. It was an awesome experience. We always had fun
0: yeah funny you should mention that you actually influenced me i was listening to mostly what my parents were listening to maybe like i was 13 or something like that and met you and enter sandman was playing i didn't know metallica at the time and you were adamant you have to listen to the black album i went and recorded the whole thing on cassette taking it home and listening to that for the first time blew my mind this whole other avenue of music was opened up to me. You guys went to see, and I owe this to Duffy, too, Alter Bridge. Oh, yeah. I got into that because of him and another friend. Just those connections. I love that aspect of having people turn me on to music.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to be open to that, too.
0: Oh, for sure. I was very receptive. If music was presented by you guys, I was like, I have to check this out because they know what they're doing. They're in it they're in the business <laughs>
2: <laughs> in that time that early 90s when we were coming along right now let's sound like old guys because we are Yeah, for sure different sonic textures different sounds like when you heard metallica for the first time mm-hmm. in the black album in particular the way they produced that you're like what on earth <laughs> right? where you hear smells like teen spirit with 17 layers of guitar it's so like, whoa, you know, those things hit you really emotionally and hard. Just the sonic impression beyond the song. Smashing Pumpkins is another one. You're young, right? You're primed to be imprinted on, and you hear these sounds, and you're just, like, mind exploding.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why well, one non-sequitur question. <laughs> <laughs> you had just recently gone to a Peter Gabriel concert. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about your experience because I am a huge Peter Gabriel slash Genesis fan.
2: It was amazing. Within a month, I saw Peter Gabriel for the first time, and then I saw Steve Hackett, the original guitar player. Oh! Yeah. He was uh, in Binghamton. I've seen Steve a couple times. Peter Gabriel, I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan, huge old Genesis when he was with them fan. And he was amazing. So he's in his 70s, but he's always had that gravelly voice a little bit that has this incongruous ability to go way up high in a smooth falsetto. Yeah. Perfect. Still immaculate. His band was amazing. I'll tell you, Kelly, that was one I've never seen him before. And we got good seats, We're like 10th row. And he came out. And for a minute, I'm just like, oh wow, I can't believe I'm seeing him with my own eyes. It was one of those. It's awesome.
0: Oh, that's awesome. You could tell that he loves music. Yeah, so when I heard I was like, man, he! I bet you he had the best time at that show because it just sounds like he would put on an amazing performance. Yeah,
2: for sure. One anecdote I read about him recently was that when he left Genesis, he could play a little bit of piano, but he took lessons for like a year. He just went and learned his craft. Already a wildly successful musician, he wanted to express himself better. Huge fan, so awesome to see him live. <laughs>
0: To the campfire for some King's X.
1: Yeah, we have uh, hard mode presented by our guest Jim.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: presented by, like, it's. <laughs> <laughs> presented
0: by.
2: Sponsored by Hancock Esterbrook, <laughs> uh, attorneys at law.
0: <laughs> Get your plug in. <laughs>
2: This is awesome. I felt a little bit of uh, what you guys feel every time you do one of these, where I was just crippled with indecision.
1: (laughs) Dude, it's hard, man. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're trying to think, like, how do I craft this F-Stack? You have to give an experience, and uh, you have all of the material from the band to choose from, and it's four songs. It's not easy. Yeah. No. And
2: I went through many, many iterations of this and kept coming back to like, all right, Duffy said, what four songs do you give to us to make us fans of the music? So that's what I kept on coming back to.
0: That Duffy's really good at that. He's good at school marming, you know, because I'm always overwhelming myself over here. He looks at me and he's just like, do this. And I'm like, all right, I got this. He's really good at reeling in the intention. I'll have like eight F stacks in front of me and I'll, I don't know, right up until the moment we like hit record man and then he's like no this is what we're doing here and it works he's really good at just giving purpose for these
1: spinning out of control (laughs) this (laughs) is getting out of control here
2: I've narrowed it down to 48 songs
1: yeah no that's Kelly every time that's that's me with T
0: you know I'll try to like sneak one at the top or whatever and just like man it's so hard or you'll
1: do like two or three different versions of of stacks, in your life
0: Exactly, and I like that it really forces you to look at music in a different way. Did you feel like that listening to a band that you're already familiar with, going back and trying to craft something new, do you feel like you got a different perspective of the the band and the sound?
2: Absolutely, because I had to sit in the seat of somebody who wasn't familiar with them. I've lived with this band for 35-plus years, so thinking Mm. that through, definitely a different perspective, and I have heard in your other shows and your, both of you but kelly i remember you talking a, d- a couple different times about how you want the f stack to flow and the journey you want to take mm-hmm. so i was thinking about duffy's like what's going to make us fans i'm thinking about kelly's how do you create a memorable experience on this short set list you got to get in you get out but take the listener on a journey that's going to intrigue them for more so that's how i tried to put it together
1: you, you know your stuff, man. You got it. <laughs> Do you want to introduce your band to yeah, us? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, King's X, it's a power trio. Doug Pinnick on bass, he's their primary lead singer, sings probably three-fourths of their songs. Ty Tabor's a guitar player and kind of secondary lead vocalist. You hear him on lead on a number of songs. And then Jerry Gaskell is their drummer, and he also sings He sings lead on a few songs. So they've been around since the late 70s, early 80s. Really a cult band, and that's an overused term, but to those who know them, they are adored. And they're really the true musician's band. You hear Billy Corgan talk about them. You'll hear Billy Sheehan talk about them. They came up with the guys in Pantera. They have played with guys in side projects with guys in Dream Theater and guys from Pearl Jam. Fascinating story that they all come from like various Christian rock circles and ended up being late bloomers when they got together. They were playing for 10 years before they got signed to Atlantic oh, wow. and put out six albums on Megaforce. I think they started with Megaforce as an imprint of Atlantic so they started you know pretty big they're on a huge label they're touring with acdc and so they kind of toiled for a really long time and then had this rocket start and then over the years like so many bands do they had trouble with labels and kind of have gone through many phases of evolution they are a difficult to categorize band a lot of musicians talk about them being their favorite why didn't they blow up there's a lot of things that go into it and a major piece of it is probably a reason why I and their fans love them is you can't put a label on them from a style perspective, from a sound perspective. They change pretty consistently from album to album, apart from the very first ones. Their sounds change, their approach change, they're hard rock, they've got progressive and metal tendencies, but they're always coming from a place of melody and songwriting their vocals are what set them apart. So you have this sophisticated, heavy guitar and bass sound with these three-part harmonies, because all three of them are great singers. They're a fascinating band. And also another thing they struggled with is they got labeled as a Christian band. Like, you can't talk about them other than through this perspective of their being a Christian band. And I'm not like...
1: That's interesting.
2: They came in as Christians. I think at this point, none of them are necessarily... King's X and there's some Christian notes to their lyrics that they worked into those early Atlantic things so without being overt about it they got labeled that way and that really I think they view at least in interviews I've heard from them and in talking to them because I've gotten to meet them they think that That's cool. really limited them. <laughs>
0: just slipped that in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I chit-chat with him.
0: <laughs> That's freaking great.
2: Yeah, I've been listening to them since I was a kid, since I was seven or eight years old. My dad was like, listen to this. I've seen them, I think, seven or eight times, and they're very accessible. They love their fans, so you get to meet them at shows and talk to them and have those conversations. Really excited to introduce them to you guys.
1: Yeah, I remember you talking about this band when we were in school. Several times, so <laughs> I know that you really have loved this band forever. You answered a couple
0: questions that I had in your introduction there. I was going to ask about them if they were bandwise harmonies, because I'm listening to some of these songs and I'm blown away by it. With my hearing being poor, I'm like, is it you know multi-track lead vocalist? And you're telling me all three of them are brilliant singers, and it shows. All right,
1: so Jim, why don't you give us this F-Stack, this hard-mode F-Stack you crafted.
2: First is Dogman from the album Dogman from 1993. Second is It's Love off their 1990 album, Faith, Hope, Love. Number three is Picture from Ear Candy in 1996. And last but not least is Over My Head from Gretchen Goes to Nebraska, 1989.
1: Cool. Start right at the top, man. Let's do some Dog Man.
2: Had to start out heavy and punch you in the face with thunderous sound. This song has to be one of the heaviest songs put on tape. Huge guitar sound. Drop D. Doug has this big, overdriven bass sound. Sonically hits you right in the teeth. This album was produced by Brendan O'Brien, and it's a change in the sound that they had leading up to that. You'll hear that kind of in the next song. They were produced by one guy by the name of Sam Taylor, who kind of crafted their sound. And they didn't feel like they were getting a faithful reproduction of their live sound. That's their live sound. If you see them in concert, your skull will be crushed. (laughs) Yeah, this is a song written by the guitar player, Ty, but sung by Doug, who has that big, soulful voice, and just crushes it on this but at the same time you have those intricate harmonies in the background from ty and their drummer jerry uh, who have very different voices from doug but yet similar sounds together this is just a heavy in your face killer tune
1: that's a good scalpel (laughs) that's what we like to call it that's kelly's term the scalpel yeah i'm a big terminologist
0: So yeah, the Scalpel and the Sledgehammer were my two that I brought to the initial. (laughs) I kept saying it over until Duffy (laughs) took me on to it. It really is just labeling the intention. Duffy is absolutely outstanding at crafting a stack with the initial track grabs you. Well, it's first impressions, you know? Totally. And this is a great first impression.
2: Even the beginning of the song is just a on the one, bang, that drop D, everybody hits. Out of the gates, you know what you're going to be dealing with. I put this song on when my uh, eldest daughter, Sasha, was six months old. And she just sat there, tiny little baby, banging her head. It's primordial, (laughs) right? It speaks to you on a genetic (laughs) level. So I wanted to hit you guys with it out of the gate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a great choice, man. You know, that heavy riff, it kind of reminded me of, like, Soundgarden. No! dude i literally, literally wrote down
0: <laughs> riff reminds me of soundgarden a little bit
1: so i that's crazy so i thought soundgarden or and i think if i'm right on this you mentioned how this was produced by brendan o'brien and i think maybe that is why i also thought stone temple pilots because didn't he produce some stp yes. back in yeah, the day I believe
2: he did he had a bunch of those early grunge albums
1: yeah and this sounded like that core record you know like that early stp grungy sound yeah sludgy (laughs) sludgy indeed yeah
2: those grunge guys i think a lot of them will point to king's x because in the late 80s they were coming in with those sound structures they weren't the first to do it but they might have been the first to be almost exclusively in drop d in the mid and late 80s so they were influential to a lot of those bands Allison Chains big time. You'll hear a lot of similarities there.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that.
1: That's how you did heavy.
0: I really even like the lyrics too. I wrote down, all my bones and muscles are yeah. aching. <laughs> it's like I can I can absolutely relate to that. The smiling as I was reading that, I was like, this is great. Introduction to this band. I feel yeah. like you did an excellent job with it. The-
2: yeah, thank you. Yeah, cars and horns and glasses breaking in it. Their lyrics tend to be pretty inscrutable, usually. I think they're getting frustrated in their demands that were being put on them by Atlantic. i read that this was kind of a response to that and just expressing some frustration and, and anger in it, right? And that's a track to do it.
1: Those are the great songs, man, when they get back at the label, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I really liked that uh, little change-up in the bridge, too, where he sings all the sleeping, never waking. Oh, yeah. Musically, the change-up, you know. Vocally, I I really like the tone on that. I thought that was kind of STP-esque also in the vocals.
2: Good example of Doug's singing. He's a phenomenal vocalist and a soulful singer.
1: Yeah, man. Track two.
2: So track two, turn in the corner going very different. Very different sound, very different approach. It's love. So this is a showcase for Ty Tabor, the guitar player, wrote this, sang it. Doug is the primary vocalist, but Ty is prolific in his own right and has a massive, you know, solo album collection and side projects. So this really shows you all the facets. This swings you the other way. This is what you're going to get with this band. Another flavor altogether. You've got Jimi Hendrix in the band, and then he's being backed up by John and Paul from The Beatles, right? Yeah. (laughs) And this is really complex, sophisticated riffs, while still being super catchy and melodic, and this is also showing his guitar playing. He is absolutely a master. He's really unknown. I mean, you ask anybody on the street who King's X or Ty Tabor is, they don't know. But if you ask a musician in rock, they're going to say Ty Tabor this is probably their biggest hit quote unquote you'll hear this sometimes on the radio i get surprised i'll hear it on muzak in a store once in a while
0: i heard this song it's wild too because it sounds like something that would be on your classic rock radio maybe but i heard it on kxt which is the independent radio station here in dallas they play a lot of eclectic stuff there'll be like b-sides and i remember thinking to myself i've heard this song before again i'm a sucker for the harmonies but the guitar work on this is incredible. Soars behind the vocals. I can see why musicians love him because they're really good at crafting points in a song to shine and then pull back. The best guitarists are really the ones that are reserved in a sense that aren't just there to showcase a whole piece around them. They're there to make the song better and do the best for the song.
1: And I could tell right away, I was like, this dude knows exactly how to do that I had never heard this song before but this was my favorite on the stage nice love the vocals on this and so that was interesting that you said it was Ty because I wasn't sure you know who was doing the singing in it because I had heard you Jim speak about Doug you know over the years so I thought that he was probably doing the vocals on this it has a great vibe the whole song It's love that holds it all together. I really like that lyric. So that's the chorus. I like how busy the riff is under the chorus there. Normally, it's kind of like more of a chordal thing. He's kind of like riffing during the chorus of the song. The song ending with the whole guitar solo. Yeah.
2: That's another kind of progressive rock hallmark from them. That riff in the chorus is not in the same tempo or time. It's a little offbeat I guess and I've seen him play that live and how on earth somebody can play that I can't play that period if I spent all day working on it. How he plays that flawlessly and then sings that offbeat melody
1: Alright give us track 3
2: Track 3 is Picture uh, from Ear Candy so slowing it down trying to throw another look of King's X at you guys. So this song like has some emotional impact Obviously, like on its face, it's this deeply personal song about Doug Pinnock, the lead singer, and and his family and autobiographical. This one is just, it just gets you. And I come from my parents were divorced. This comes out of time I was 14 years old, like still grappling with this in a band that I love that was brought to me by my dad. So it just has all these like emotional connections to it. I'm not a lyrics guy. I like I have a hard time remembering lyrics for songs I've heard a hundred times. I'm listening to the melody being sung. I'm listening to some of the words, but I'm listening as a package, and I'm not focusing on lyrics. I mean, obviously, this one really grabs you, those lyrics. It's the structure as well. I think Doug is a less complicated songwriter than Ty, musically. The structure of this one, he's coming in, and you're hearing about how his mother and father were in love, and... And then all of a sudden he brings it around at the end and it turns out he's gotten together with them for the first time ever when he's 40 years old. And then it eases out with this contemplative, ethereal instrumental, which is not usually what I love to listen to either. I want structure. I want to go somewhere. This, you sit in that and you you take in the message of that song. It chokes me up when I listen to it to this day. He's just sitting in it this one hits me every time i hear it
0: oh man i love that you brought something personal yeah. to the the campfire like that to share with us and the you know everybody listening
1: yeah me too i love hearing how that song affects you and getting a track on this f stack that feels a little more personal for you instead of the listener yeah i like that that's cool yeah
2: for sure definitely a personal one that's why i put it at third i'm gonna fit it in between the other ones and throw a little curveball there
1: Mar, he gets it (laughs) yeah you get it dude that's the slot man
2: so it's a long-standing band like rush or metallica for me it's the first new album that they put out when i'm aware of them so metallica you hear the black album that's the first time and that one hits differently Rush, Test for Echo, is the first one that came out when I was aware of them because I'm around 14 or 15 years old. Not an album other people really like. Oh, nice. The Counterparts might have been it. But one that has a special meaning. Okay, this is the first new album from a band I like. And Ear Candy, similar. I think if you talk to a lot of King's X fans, this is one of their least favorites. This was their last one on Atlantic, and they were f- feeling really stifled. This is an ironic naming of the... Ear Candy, the title, because they felt Atlantic was pressuring them to get on the radio. So they said, All right, here's the Ear Candy. Mm. It's this kind of outlier album that just I love. My favorite one. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny when you say that, I'm a late bloomer to Rush. My first new album was Clockwork Angels. Oh, wow. I didn't become a huge Rush fan until 2012. It's
1: appropriate. 2112?
0: <laughs> right. I moved out here to Dallas the year before and discovered them on the radio here. I'd heard, I want to say it was either Caravan or Headlong Flight, first signal from that. And I immediately dove into and became obsessed and got into all prog rock after that. I had transformed musically. I had lifted myself out of, let's say, a musical circle that I was in where I was just listening to what other people were listening to and going along with it. And this was where I discovered music that I enjoyed, that this was my passion, that was completely me. Test for Echo is, is not... I
2: love one. that, yeah.
0: <laughs> There's so many albums that you hear certain groups of fans aren't fond of for this reason or that. But I always tend to like want to hear the fans that love those albums. Because they tend to have the most personal attachment to them. Even listening to you talk about picture, it changes the entire perspective. I don't come from the emotional standpoint when I hear it for the first time. So now I hear it, and now I can kind of see like different colors. Just in the way you describe it, appreciate you putting a very personal song on.
1: Yeah, I want to listen to it again after hearing what you said about it.
2: (laughs) This is a grower for me, I think. You get more out of it each
1: time you listen. Cool, man.
0: I love that ethereal swirling. Outro, mystical guitar stuff. And you get to the end and it does that thing that, I mean, it definitely mentioned before, it's kind of the pay-the-man thing. From Offspring, we have, like, we've got our own little little sub-genre sub, sub genre yeah. of snippets of music that do these things that Prog influenced. I'm a sucker for songs that evolve.
2: Yeah, subvert expectations, right? It's a journey in a small package.
1: All right, man, I think we're ready for the sledgehammer. Yeah.
2: So this is Over My Head, from Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. This is kind of their signature song among their fans, probably. Not their most famous, but they play it at every concert. This is another Doug song. Pretty autobiographical. They have a rabid following. If somebody knows them, they tend to love them. And it's rare to find somebody that's seen King's X Live one time. Yeah, When you go to a concert... (laughs) How many times have you seen him? How many times have you been here? 15, 20, 40, you know, I saw him first time in 1985 in Dallas. This is also probably their most popular album, I would say, among their fans. Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. And so this is a good microcosm, I think, of that sound. That's the Sam Taylor sound. Again, their producer that kind of had a lot of control over their sound in particular early to modern ears might sound a little dated and not have the best sound. It's a little thin, I think, from my perspective my dad for example loves this sound and is sad they left it i think that they grew a lot to get a bigger sound and i like the changes to ty's guitar sound over the years prototypical sound of that era another amazing solo from ty no rhythm guitar when he starts soloing; right it's just bass drums guitar power trio yeah i
1: noticed that
2: captures that live essence when you see him live you don't believe that that sound can come out of three people And they don't do overdubs. Guitar, bass, drums, vocals. You know, it has this gospel-type breakdown. I struggled with this last one. I'm like, what do I leave them on? What do I leave them on? I have a lot of other songs that I like more than this and that I personally would choose, but you can't have somebody listen to an off-stack of King's X, I think, without throwing something from Gretchen on there and probably over my head is the best exemplar of the album.
1: Nice. (laughs)
0: Oh, I think this is a proper sledgehammer. You Knows how to put a tasty riff and a ripping solo. That gospel clap chant going on there, it grew on me, and this been stuck in my head.
1: Well, I mean, that whole music, music, I need music. Music,
0: you know? music, over my head. Oh, man, I catch myself doing that. Honestly, I needed that. It's one of those songs, too, that rejuvenated my uh, musical reservoirs, so to speak. It hits you in a good way if it hits
1: you. I thought you were going to like this song, Kelly, because this was giving me Van Halen vibes. Especially uh, Doug. He did like a David Lee Roth scream. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> he he was did. Doing the David Lee scream, and then it was like the shredding guitar. and Yeah. It was totally giving me the Van Halen vibes, man. You know I love them <laughs> zippies, man. I like that lyric, Grandma used to sing every night while she was praying. <laughs>
2: doug was raised by his grandmother coming from a difficult situation and she was this really harsh evangelical christian woman but she used to tell him hey i hear god's music in my head all the time like literally so he took that and kind of created the song around it so it's a really interesting lyric
1: yeah that's cool well i think this was a good stack man thanks man i would definitely go my favorite was it's love and dog man is my number two you can dig this
0: I did a little bit of post-stack digging, actually. You made me curious. i would already found a couple of other songs that I liked. I like Black the Sky, Summerland, and Out of the Silent Planet. I think you made me a fan. Make me want to explore further.
2: Nice, man. Yeah, and they've got three eras, like a lot of bands that have been around. They're still going strong. I kind of chose from the early era, the Atlantic era, and then they go through this middle period that was very exploratory and a little more dense and less accessible. And then the last three albums that they put out harken back to the first ones. They didn't put out an album for 15 years, and they just did put one out a year ago, and it's amazing. It's great. I mean, Doug is 75 or 74 years old nowadays, and his voice— Oh, wow. He was 30 when they got together and almost 40 when they released their first album. Oh, wow. You know, his voice has changed. I mean, you can't sound like that forever, but they're still as creative as ever. If I had to make an F-Stack just for Duffy, it would probably be entirely different from this one, you know, knowing his music sensibilities. They've got something for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's cool, man. Stack approved.
2: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys like it.
1: <laughs> Great job crafting it, the thought you put into it. Yeah, I, I mean, you did it perfect, man. Awesome.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys letting me do it. So hopefully, uh, more people check out King's X and get some enjoyment out of it. Definitely brought me a, a lot of joy and comfort over the years. Great band.
1: Well, Jim, man, you nailed your stack. Now we're at the portion of the show where we do Songs of the Week. Kelly, do you want to start with your Song of the Week here? Sure.
0: It is Secondhand Slow by Peter Bruis, off of 2023's Blow Dry Colossus. And <laughs> yeah, that's a mouthful. <laughs> haven't been listening to much music lately, but what I have been listening to is what I call the soft-hearted variety. If you want to think late 70s through early 90s, John Tesh approved soft rock. When I ventured out just a little bit, I wanted something different. And this is a weird little synth number that definitely qualifies. It's quirky. This is a solo project from a member of Field Music, which I had presented to Duffy as a hard mode, which is yet to be published. The whole album is a personal treat for me at this point, getting my toes wet, readjusting, I guess. I won't be intaking as much music as I was before, definitely. This is just a great little funky synthesizer track. And it put a smile on my face. So that was the thing that I was looking for, is something that made me feel good.
1: Nobody likes having a smile on their face.
0: (laughs) There's some people that that really just go out of their way to not have a smile on their face. So this track would not be for you. If you want something to just perk you up a little bit, I recommend Second Hand Slow. And really that whole album, Blow Dry Colossus, just a great short
1: instrumental album. That's cool, man.
0: And that is Kelly's Song
1: of the Week. Nice. So for my Song of the Week, I picked one that, you know, since we have Jim on the show, it' a song for me that connects with Jim. So my Song of the Week is from the band Seven Mary Three, and it's the song Cumbersome. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's a song that you know we all know I wanted to pick something that connected me to him and this song back in the day in high school in our band we played some covers and everything but I don't know when I think of a cover song that we did this one just stands out to me I also I remember us playing this at our graduation party do you remember that Uh, yes that Kelly was also at Kelly do you remember us there Playing that song, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Do we all remember this? <laughs> Did this happen or not? <laughs> oh, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> this happened. I just wanted to pick something that, when I think of Jim and I in our days. Back in our youth, jamming, you know, this just felt like a special song. And it was something that felt like easy at the time for us to learn and to play. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> but it's such a good tune. This song still gets radio play up here in New York. A little history on the band. They're from Virginia. <laughs> let's see. Let's look at my notes. Did I write down anything about this band? This song is from American Standard, which came out in 1995. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You want to throw one on the fire? Yeah, do it, man.
0: I can
2: throw one in there. Just was looking back quick. Hey, what am I listening to lately? So I've been listening to uh, Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners. Their song called "A Work in Progress," which is off their self-titled album from uh, I think within the past year or so. And so Ginger Wildheart is the brain behind the Wildhearts, which is a kind of another underground band. They're from the UK. Been around since the 90s, and Ginger Wildheart is like power punk, upbeat songwriting machine. Awesome songs, just he's got a better sense of melody than maybe any modern songwriter ever, and is extremely prolific. Follow him on social media and saw that he was going through a real mental health crisis and ended up like in treatment for it. Going back and listening to this album, Ginger Wildheart and the Sinners, his most recent one, really bittersweet and you can hear uh, somebody struggling with things. Boy, if you want to hear a melody and a catchy hook, you should check it out. It's got some Americana to it. He kind of steps away from his power punk roots to go back to this like Americana, um, straight rock, late 70s Rolling Stones sensibility. Yeah, Ginger Wildheart. Everything he does is awesome. That's what I've been listening to lately, so definitely try to check that out.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds, sounds up my alley. Yeah.
2: There's a rabbit hole to
1: go down the Wild Hearts.
0: We're suckers for rabbit holes. too. <laughs> <Are> you?
1: <laughs> you said some key words describing uh, that music. So, you sure did. You know. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. We're at the end here, right? This has
2: been awesome, guys. Thanks so much for uh, having me come in. It was, we speak the same language. I've been loving listening to you guys, and I'm like, oh, man, this... It's a cool hang i feel like i've been sitting around the campfire with you guys just listening to you i love hearing two friends talk from different perspectives and uh super excited to come on it's been awesome
1: you were a great guest man it was a lot of fun yeah i knew that this was going to be awesome because of your love of music
2: what makes the world go around right i mean uh some people stick with what they heard when they were kids and they never change they never look for new stuff and man there's so much good music out there it's just a constant process of discovery and dig into stuff and find things even from bands you've loved that maybe you didn't give uh, enough time to. So
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Really, really great show you guys have.
1: Awesome, dude. Awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs> Until next time then, right? Until next time. Alright, I'm Duffy. Uh, I'm Kelly. Ciao! End transmission.